Aloha, I'm Marcia Sortino. Welcome to Pay Radio, talk radio worth listening to. To all our regular listeners, thank you for coming back. To all our new listeners, congratulations. You just discovered one of the most powerful talk radio shows there is. As we get ready for this class, I suggest you find something to take notes with. Every show is packed with all sorts of inspiring, insightful ideas, ahas, and breakthroughs. While you find some paper and a pen, I wonder, how many people do you know are paid to learn, then paid to teach what they learn? I'll put that another way. I'm both a student and a teacher of Pay Me What I'm Worth. By the time I complete my class as a student, the money I'm paid to teach Pay Me What I'm Worth will cover what I paid Seoul University, and then some. At the end of our class, I'll tell you how to become a paid student and teacher for this life-changing journey. It's time to meet my class. We decided to be collectively known as Team Seekers. Here they are. This is Cindy Ashline from Slingerlands, New York. Thank you for joining us on our radio show. I hope that you will be inspired by what you hear today. Kyle Davis, Lewiston, Maine. This is Doug Doherty. I'm from Sooner Country, Norman, Oklahoma. Howdy, y'all. This is terrific Tanya Heathcote from the beautiful state of Tennessee, wishing you better brain health. Hi, Manita Kinlan here, wishing you a great day from Wind River, Wyoming. Hey, everybody. Green Mays, and I am from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. This is Shirley May, Cincinnati, Ohio. This is David H. Paul from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hello, Chris Peters, and I'm from Brandon, Manitoba, Canada. Rick and I live in Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. This is Cheryl from Hawaii. Hello, everybody. This is Agnes Talley in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're the home of the dogwood tree with its beautiful white flowers in the spring of the year. And finally, Aloha, Sol here, author of Pay Me What I'm Worth and Marsha's co-pilot on this journey. I hope we've given you enough time to grab a pad of paper and a pen to take notes. Our class starts now. Tonight we're focusing on my skills as we see them and I see them. Tonight we're going to use an idea, a concept, known as the Yohari Window, J-O-H-A-R-I. Marcia, what do you remember about our looking glass that we call the Yohari Window? What do you remember from that aspect as we looked at our skills? What I remember is the Yohari Window was like a box, and we divided it between what... I see about myself what others see about me. As we looked at our own skills, saw what our skills were, there was an overlapping that appeared that kind of helped us know that we have some strengths in our skills and we have some skills that are also weak. We get a clearer picture of ourselves. Bingo. For our first experiential exercise of the evening, with a fresh sheet of paper, draw a big square on that sheet of paper. 
And once you have your square drawn, divide it into fours, like the old-fashioned window with four window panes. So four boxes, just a line down from the top to the bottom in the middle, and a line from side to side again on the middle. So you've got four squares. I'm going to modify the theory around the Yohari window just a teeny bit. You can certainly Google it and look at it and research it. We're going to stay fairly true to form of the actual concept, but we're going to modify it just a teeny bit so that we can put a framework around what we're doing in our skills inventory. So now that you've got your box, your four window panes in the lower left-hand box, right, you know in the upper left, I know. In the upper right-hand corner, we know. And in the lower right-hand corner, don't know. When we started out this journey in Chapter 2, we began a skills inventory. We had three specific exercises about assessing our skills. Exercise 7, my skills as you see them, which box did we start looking through our world in, in this Yuhari window? Which pane? Upper left. Upper left. So write a 7, or E7, in the upper left. And when we did exercise 8, what window pane are we looking through? Lower left. Mm-hmm. So write a number 8 there. Tonight, we're going to be looking at tallying up our skills. Obviously, number nine would go in the upper right-hand corner. Yep, the skills tally time is exercise nine, upper right-hand corner. That lower right-hand corner, don't know. What do you think that's all about? The skills you don't know? Mm-hmm. But want to know? Be explored. Exploring, yep. What else? What we're going to know. Skills that other people don't see in you? Yep, now you're getting there. Now you're getting there. Marsha's reading How my mind. Skills that other people see in you that you don't see in yourself. Yep, getting warmer. It's actually I skills that. that I don't see in nobody else. Oh. Mm-hmm. Keep going. If you were to take this one-dimensional picture that we've created, make it three-dimensional, and then begin to... Bend it into a ball. Now what happens? <laughs> you get more of a 360 view, don't we? Of our complete self. Mm-hmm. And to throw a wild card in all of this, that lower right-hand corner, don't know, I don't know what I don't know, right? Right. 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 Do you have a sense of how the lower right-hand corner, when it comes to the skills inventory, opens up to infinity? Yes. Yes. I can believe that. Yeah. Here's a concept. You know, when we wrap that 360 like that, the uh, upper left and the lower right connect, vice versa, the lower left and upper right connect. When I open to my knowingness, I just allow that exploration to occur. I open to what God knows about me. I open to what the universe has in store for me, which I open to 
being an infinite creator. Breathe that in, folks. Shift it, intellectual, to the heart as we feel our hearts open up to the infinite skills that we have. Feel that, folks. Allow yourself to feel it. If you need to take a deep breath, if you need to close your eyes, whatever it is that you need to do to get centered in your heart for this moment, just take a moment and understand that on our skills journey, as we're exploring our skills, it can feel daunting. Many of you talked about the fact that, soul, honestly, I don't have enough time. Release that energy because we have endless time. One of the number one sources of worth decay is applying a false deadline. I got to get something done by X. I've got to learn something by X. I have to something by X. Who has a story of a time when you applied a deadline? And in and all frankness, you really needed to have that deadline. There's in your mind, there was a certainly justifiable reason for that deadline, but for all practical purposes, it's a created deadline, meaning you imposed that deadline and it didn't really have to be that deadline, but you put it there anyway. Who has a story around that? I am going to talk about my college degree, which was a deadline for me. I had to get it done in four years, and I had to get it done to graduate with my friends. At that time, to me, I thought if I didn't get a degree, I would have a less than desirable job. Now, here's the funny thing. I got the degree. I got through everything. And I thought, ooh, my life is going to be the best thing ever now. I'm going to be in an office chair. I'm going to make decent money, which I did. And then I realized I could have done something else completely different. The degree wasn't contingent on me being happy. And the deadline I imposed wasn't necessarily a good idea. So it's interesting that I put a lot of deadlines on myself to get something done that may have not contributed to me being happy or feeling better. Ah, that's a good kickoff. I used to put deadlines, three deadlines a month because I was working for a credit counseling agency. We had to have all the payments in. I would press myself to have it done a week ahead of time because I was so worried that I wouldn't get it done in time. And I did that three times a month. I would stay after work to make sure I got it done. I would stay later than I had to. So in many ways, Marcia, what I'm hearing you is you rallied your skills to get things done, Mm -hmm. but that rallying of your skills actually cost you in the form of possibly health, yeah? Yes. It made me a nervous wreck. Mm -hmm. It really did. It was crazy. And when I think about it, I say to myself, wow, I really went out of my way along the way of doing that. I realized that, wow, why is it that I couldn't have asked for help? Or why didn't I ask to delegate some of that so that I could have my hands free, not be a nervous wreck? But I never even thought of doing that along the way. I probably could have asked for that. 
So applying that to the Yuhari window, you knew you could get X, Y, and Z done. Correct. The people you were working for, they knew that as well. Correct. Right? What we now know is that you could have delegated, and you probably could have asked for help, right? Exactly, yes. But you didn't know that at the time. I didn't even think about it at the time. I really did not even consider with what I was doing, I probably should have asked for some help, or I probably could have even brought up the idea of getting some help and delegating some of that work out to other people. I never even thought of it. How crazy is that? (laughs) And of course, the role of doubt, guilt, shame, or worry never once entered into any of that formula, right? (laughs) Oh, all the time. (laughs) I was worried. I don't know if there was guilt or shame in there, but there was definitely worry, and there was definitely some doubt that if I don't do this, something terrible is going to happen to me. I don't know why I even thought that way. It was ridiculous. When I think about it, I should have probably explored what I was doing. All we do, it seems like, is we go through the motions and we don't think about ourselves. We don't stop to think one minute about, wait, what is going on here? What am I doing to myself? Exactly. So ladies and gentlemen, tonight we start revisiting the concept that I was mentioning last week. Remember how I was talking about Three paper plates, three circles, like a Venn diagram that we're going to begin to overlap. Do you recall that conversation? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Paper plate number seven, where you asked people to tell you what they thought your skills were. We started purposefully from the outside so that you could begin to tap into that external view Then we dared to dive into our own world. We started looking through our Yuhari window from the lower left-hand corner, the I know. This is what I know about myself, right? Yeah. Now let's turn this Yuhari window into a sphere. Let's begin to look at what were some of the surprises. Like, for instance, when I did this exercise, I started an Excel spreadsheet. And I just, every day, I gave myself the task of writing down 10 skills. And I didn't care whether or not I wrote down the same 10 skills or not. It didn't matter to me. I just wrote down 10 skills. So I started my Excel spreadsheet, and every day for 30 days, I listed what I thought were my skills. I sent out one of those god-awful emails where you get, oh, God, he sent out one of those BCCs. Who knows how many people he sent this to? I asked literally 100 and I think it was 110 on the mailing list. I asked them, would they please kindly take a moment and when they have five minutes to catch their breath, close their eyes, take a couple of deep breaths. Yes, I was controlling and manipulative, telling them what to do. (laughs) And I said, when you think of me, if you were introducing me on stage, what three skills would you tell the audience I have? And would you reply back with your three skills? And I just simply copy-pasted what they told me in their emails into another Excel spreadsheet. When it came time to finish this exercise, the tally time, I copied all of the skills from the email responses 
at the very top of the Excel worksheet, and I made them red. I turned them red, font color red. And I copied all the skills that I came up with, and I turned them green. And then I did a sort, an alphabetical sort. I wanted to see where did I have overlap? How many red and greens were on top of each other? And so I began to see, ah, boy, did I have a deficit and an awareness of my skills because there were a lot more red than green skills. And it gave me pause. It's like, how is it that these people are seeing these skills in me and I'm blind to them or I'm not aware of them or I'm not acknowledging them? Because when I did my sort, my green skills, there were quite a few skills that I listed multiple times. Those skills that I listed multiple times, I thought, obviously, I really must like that skill, right? <laughs> Pondering now, I'd like to hear, let's start out with Tanya. As you began to tally up your skills and you began to compare and contrast your two lists to see where the overlaps began to form, what surprised you? It surprised me to most of the people that I reached out to to ask what skills they saw in me. They weren't very creative with skills. Hmm. They were very basic. I even had one person respond to me with the skill of, you're a good person. I don't know if that would be classified as a skill or not, but that's what he answered. I was surprised when I was going over the skills that I recognized in myself. I was surprised at the ease in which I just came up with one after the other. It was like I wasn't even thinking. They were just flowing out of me. So I was surprised that I saw more skills in myself than others saw in me. My whole life I thought that was the other way around. Mm. Wow. As you are allowing your skills to flow out, Tanya, mm -hmm. Did you absorb that yummy feeling? Oh, yes. I even giggled my way through it. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So now that you've seen how the people that you're reaching out to, when you ask them directly, what skills do you see, either they're like, okay, you've asked me a question, I'll answer it, but just now go away kind of energy, what does that say to you going forward in how you would like your connections to be? It lets me know that I want more higher quality connections with people. There was once someone that told me that you want to develop connections with people that you would love to go on a 30-day cruise with, mm -hmm. a lifelong friend that sort of thing. And I see that that's how I want my connections to be, and I'm also seeing that I have some personal responsibility in developing those connections. I'm glad you said that, because that was going to be my next question before I move on to Manita. Manita, here's your five-minute warning bell. <laughs> Tonya, as you're becoming aware of the fact that when people were responding to you about your skills, they didn't seem to be having the robust answers that you were hoping for, yeah? Yeah. You became aware of the fact that might it be that I haven't really gotten to know them that well? They haven't gotten to know me. 
Yes, that did occur to me. This plays perfectly into Chapter 3, which we're going to be getting into in a couple of weeks. But for right now, I'm setting the stage because think about this. We're going to be starting to talk about the concept of mentors, mentorships, teacher-student relationships in Chapter 3. And Marsha's got some doozy stories to share with us about Chapter 3. For the time being, Tony, I want to thank you for bringing up that awareness When other people aren't responding back in a way that you're hoping that they respond, I use that as a teacher on my end, such that obviously I need to do more work with creating a deeper relationship with that. So thank you for bringing that up. All right, Ms. Manita, as you were taking your two paper plates, exercise seven and exercise eight, the skills people think you have and the skills you say you have, and you began to sort them through and overlap them. What surprised you? That the people that I know, that I've known for years, and people that I've met that I've never actually met in person, I think know me better than the people I know in person do. Wow. I guess that really surprised me because, well, I guess it shouldn't. I'm not too much of a social butterfly here in my area. (laughs) (laughs) Just the way I grew up, I'm Native American. There's a lot of prejudice within our little community where it sort of forced me to become a recluse with just my family. Mm -hmm. I know I can get along with people better that have the same mindset as me. Here, you don't get that much exposure to the outside world. I didn't grow up exclusively here. My dad was a minister and a policeman. We traveled. We lived in Oklahoma and Kansas, and that's probably why I never really fit in. That's why it played out like that, I think, because um, I really can't be myself out there with people of my own race. They automatically say that I present myself different than they do. So as you simmer on exercise nine, the skills tallying, as you contemplate how is it that people know me better than the people that are supposed to know me better right yeah what does that inspire you to do i guess what it inspires me to do would get to know them better the people that i used to work with because some of them they're in helping professions like i am maybe they might need some new ideas how to present their programs are, just get more interactive. Am I hearing you correctly, Manita, that you're going to become more you with them? Yeah. Yes. Yeah! Nice. That's what I was looking for, that you are just going to be you. Here I am. Ta-da! If that's a problem, let me know, but otherwise, off we go. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yes. I bring that up because in many ways... Manita, as we move on to Carl, Carl, here's your five minutes heads up. One of the things that I've been absolutely delightfully watching and observing in Carl with his blog posts and just in the way that he's presenting himself and how things are changing is, Carl, is is it fair to say that as you start sliding your lists together, you're becoming aware of the fact that you haven't been you in a long time? Yes, most definitely. I haven't been me in most of my life. I didn't realize my worth. I was always fed rubbish. 
telling me that, oh, you're never going to amount to anything, this, that, and the other. You know, it's not entirely their fault. My fault for accepting it and just continuing on and believing it. And that is owning it. I own that I allowed those people to manipulate me. That's what I've got out of this so far. Why should I continue to let other people dictate? I'm 55 years old now. Who should be dictating? I should have been dictating my life a long time ago. And instead, I just let other people tell me how to do it and when to do it, like a little puppet on a string. And there's no more puppet. Time to face reality. It's life. You're going to live in the now. And that's what I've got out of this. I now know that I am worth a lot to a lot of people and as well as people but myself. Never realized, but now I do realize. Thank you. So with that thought in mind, Carl, I've been watching your Twitter feed. I've been watching what you've been tweeting out there in the world. And my goodness, (laughs) when I stop and look at the two to three dozen tweets a day you do, I keep scouring those treats, Carl, for a tweet that's about Carl. Oh, now you've done it, haven't you? You have put me on the spot. Now it has to be about me. Oh, no. What have you done to me? I think of others. I don't think of myself. So I've lost that self-worth in that particular area. I want to see a tweet about Carl doing something for Carl. Okay, you have me on that one, so you've got me dead to rights. I am not good about talking about my work. I want to see a tweet about Carl, about an aha Carl had about Carl. Hmm. Anybody want to challenge me on that, Team Seekers? Anybody want to challenge me as to why? I'm challenging Carl to start tweeting about Carl. Oh, my God, they're speechless. Come on, there's got to be. Rick has got to chime in on this one. I leave myself in that degree is what I do. So I leave myself in that degree. I don't put myself with a high word. And so now you put me on the spot, and I have to think of that. Thank you. I like that. I didn't think anything, Carl. Cheryl was saying that the other day. Wow, we would get to know Carl better if he shared more about himself with us. And we love you, so we want to know more about you. Yeah, Carl, I was even wondering if you had a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Because you're sharing lots of dog things, but I never heard you. We'd like to hear about your life, too. Yeah, get to know you better. I was just saying to Rick yesterday, I said, gosh, Carl's really been working up a storm here. He says he's really enthused. Yeah, we would love to hear a lot more stuff about you so that we can hear and you can grow telling us. I will open up. I see where I've made a fall. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen. All right, go for it. Dave. (laughs) First of all, I'm just curious, all. Could it be that you're challenging Carl to open up because you have a sneaking suspicion that when Carl opens up that he is going to become a worldwide attraction for other people? 
he's going to become like Barnum and Bailey's circus. That's part of it. <laughs> want to feel your worth, Carl? <laughs> yeah, I want, I want to let the cyclone out of captivity and get out, rule the world as far as helping people because that's what I want to do. But that's the thing. Helping people, I don't have time for myself. Bing, 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 bing. First is myself, and I never thought of it that way. I always thought of everybody else. Holy light bulb moment. Wow. It was a light bulb moment. So, Carl, the next time you're on a plane and the steward or stewardess is telling you to put your own oxygen mask on first in the event that they fall in front of you, I sincerely hope you will indeed put on that oxygen mask first. Yes? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the skill... I love it. The skill of saying, what do I need? And what do I want? Naturally create the pathways, the conversation topics... It will naturally begin to build an energy around you that will attract what you need. It will repel what you do not want. Follow? Yes. Or did I get a little too esoteric there? When I'm helping myself, when I help myself financially, Good catch I, there. <laughs> I have all of my resources I can help other people a lot easier than if I'm trying to help everybody else given all my resources and I run out of resources, I can't help anybody. So simply put, I need to put myself in a good position before I can help anybody else. Awesome. Awesome. Who has experienced the skill of resentment such that you've said yes to so many people and no to yourself so often that you're tired, you're worn out, and you resent the fact that it seems like everybody is calling upon you to do stuff, you don't get any of your own stuff done. Now, I realize out of the 12 people that we have in Team Seekers, this might be a foreign issue, maybe kind of not really all that personal to you, but maybe one of you has a story where resentment taught you the skill of saying no. Anybody? I have one really okay. quickly. I had an ex-girlfriend who every time she had a problem, she would call me. Every time, like, so-and-so treated her bad or whatever, she was like, Kareem, let's hang out. And I said, okay, every time. And I ran out of time to do my own things. And I'm not going to go into details about it. She didn't make me feel any better. She just called me to make herself feel better. I resented that I should have just hung up the phone because I, I knew some of her previous behavior patterns. I did it anyway. So I made a mistake of committing time to someone who didn't commit time or affection to me back. Mm -hmm. Good example. Doug, you've been patiently waiting, and I'll give you your little five-minute heads up. Doug, hopefully you've had a chance to scribble down a little bit of skills on Exercise 8 and possibly queried a few folks on Exercise 7. What are some of your ahas so far in Chapter 2? Being an ex-alcoholic addict, after I got cleaned up and sober and everything, I spent a lot of time or a lot of effort in trying to help other addicts to find their way clear of that lifestyle. 
And one of the things you learn really quickly about, about people with addictive personalities is that they tend to use people up. We, my wife and I both, we put a lot of effort and a lot of resources and a lot of heart into helping different people along the way, and we got burned really bad several times. I won't say I really have any resentment about it, but it was really hard to keep reaching out and offering help because you burn your fingers so many times, you're going to stop touching this toe. Sure. So that's my story on that. And that taught me to back off and be more discerning, for sure. You're reading my mind. I was just going to say, it's from that discernment, Doug, at any point in time, did you experience what Manito was talking about? And that's, you got a little reclusive, and to some degree, Carl, I hear you from time to time maybe have gone into your own cave. Doug, did you go into your own cave after being burned? Well, it's funny you say that because you were saying what uh, ahas did I get out of this exercise. I have not had time or haven't taken the time to get anybody else involved, but I did go through the book, in the book, the list. Literally, I can check almost everything on that list that was in the book. With the exception, I have a lot of question marks next to a bunch of them because they're things that involve other people. Not that I can't do them and haven't done them before, but I can't say that I've mastered a lot of those simply because I do isolate. I'm one of these people, and, and I'm pretty sure my past has a lot to do with it, because in that lifestyle, you tend to isolate from the general population and hang out only with a few selected people that are in the same thing, and you hide out from everybody else, pretty much. That I learned over time, I love people, and I love getting out with them, but I don't make the effort to go out and get around people because I'm so used to being so self-sufficient. A lot of my skills, I've been told over time that I'm really good at talking in front of people, getting out, motivating people in a group and stuff like that, but I don't do that stuff just because I'm used to being on my own. If there's any resentment that I have at all, I go through this, I think that what it would be would be that the many times that I've needed help and even asked for it, I get, uh, like you guys were talking about, not getting the response that I hope to get. I have a similar experience like Doug and Kareem. I felt resentment as well. Relationships that I've been in, I've found that when I was in relationships, I was doing most of the housework. I find that I was living in this kind of culture where my husband expected me to do most of the housework and always busy and people took advantage of you. You clean up and because they're not cleaning up, they're making a mess again and again. And I had no time for myself. I was always cleaning up and taking care of everyone else. I find that now that I'm alone, I get to take care of myself. I'm more determined now to take care of myself and that this is finally my time. Which naturally segues, thank you, Cindy, naturally segues into Agnes. You set me up perfectly to chat with Agnes here. Agnes, as you present all of us, team seekers, we're becoming highly more aware of how, as you think about your skills, the skills that you have enjoyed, now enjoy, would like to enjoy again, because your physical body is saying, well, yeah, that's all well and good. You do have the skill. 
the mind is willing, but the body is not able, you're helping us become more empathetic to the fact that we have to begin to start looking at our skills in unique ways. Yeah? So what's your observation so far and what you're experiencing? I was thinking I grew up labeled as a handicapped person, so I stuck to myself a lot, and I let them put on me the label. I don't know that they ever really thought that. It was me thinking that they thought that and thinking too much about what that I thought they were thinking. And so I kind of kept a lot to myself, didn't make a lot of friends. The ones I did make were usually searched them out before I accepted them as friends. In other words, I made sure that they weren't going to go against me. But at my age now, most of my friends, I've outlived most of them, and not to say that I'm glad, but I don't know that many people anymore, and I'm afraid in a way to get close to anybody because I feel like that, like some of the others were talking about, I've helped so many people. I looked after my mother for 30 years until she passed. I looked after my husband the last three years he was living and then my son needs help and I just feel like that all of that has taken a toll on my health so I have some resentment yes. As you're tapping into that Agnes are you beginning to see just how many skills you really do have? I mean to take care of so many people for so long. Now I feel like I was stupid for doing all that. (laughs) (laughs) No I'm glad that I could do what I could but I felt like I said all along that at the time that I needed help, there probably wouldn't be many people left to help me, which a lot of them have died. And sometimes when you get sick, you find out who your real friends are. They sort of leave you alone. <laughs> yeah. I hope that this adventure in Chapter 2, Agnes, gives you a little more courage that as people pop into your life, you might just extend them the notion of becoming friends. I guess I'm just afraid that they'll be the wrong kind, and and then I won't know how to get rid of them. (laughs) You, along with Team Seekers, I'm going to be rather presumptuous here, and on behalf of Team Seekers, I'm going to say you've got a whole bunch of other people now queuing up to be your friend, and if you need to bounce off some ideas with other Team Seekers about well, there's this person coming into my life, and I, uh, da, da, da. Team Seekers, what say you? Will we help Agnes do a little sorting? I'm here oh, for you. That. I'm here. Yeah, that'd be good. I think okay, that'd be a I great idea. That. Yeah, I appreciate that from everybody. Teamwork, teamwork, so work together. Yeah. When Carl was talking, I was thinking, yeah, that's me there, and then a couple other people that were talking, I said, yep, that's me too. <laughs> he said you hit the nail on the head when you told him to talk about himself, and <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I don't really like to talk about myself, and so I always thought that what I have to say is not that important, in other words. Well... On behalf of myself only, I'm going to say, will you please let that thought go? Yeah, I'm going to try to, yeah. Thank you. Marsha, what do we need to do with Agnes to boost that booster shot of when that little voice inside her goes, oh, there's nothing i got to say going to be good for anybody to hear. We're going to have to work on that, I think. (laughs) (laughs) She's already... I think found out that. 
Well, Agnes, you bring up something that both Tanya and David are working diligently on. You mentioned how being labeled early on mm-hmm. as a person with different abilities. Yeah. David, Tanya, you're working with a global population that's struggling with that label as well, yeah? Absolutely, on a daily basis. And the biggest thing, that, and, you, and we're learning it right here in Pay Me What I'm Worth, step by step, we're uncovering. When we uncover our worth as a person, as a child of God, okay, well, we can say that and we go, yeah, 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 I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. But then for us in NSDF, we try to help our people have that sink into the heart and know it and feel it and then go from there. Because one of the things we've discovered, you all may have heard of something called a stigma. And with disabilities of any kind, there seems to be this social stigma. In other words, I feel less than because I think other people see me as less than. Mm-hmm. And we deal with that all the time. And we address this stigma, but we address it from a place of personal. I have to take 100% responsibility for who I am and let go of what other people may or may not think of me. All of us have felt less than at one time or another. All of us. And so the skills are universal. The developing of these skills of personal responsibility, inside out. Now, interesting you bring up that concept of a universal skill. Let me throw this idea out there as a universal skill. Self-preservation. Oh, yeah. We will, I will do what I need to do to preserve either my health, my reputation, my well-being, and this preservation skill, this kind of an odd mixture of both paternal and maternal energies. As you begin to look at your skills, I'll leave you with this notion, as you begin to look at your skills list and as you begin to look at the overlapping between what other people think you have as skills, what you know you have as skills, therefore what we know you have as skills, is look how those skills were manipulated in a culture that's so binary-focused between feminine and masculine. My point, when I discover that I've neglected developing a particular skill because I may be judged too feminine, if I neglect polishing a skill or letting a skill shine because it's going to be emasculating for me, what does that say about me being able to be fully who I am? and valuing myself fully for who I am. I can understand what you're saying there, Saul. I always felt that I couldn't be who I wanted to be. People always wanted me to be who they thought I was supposed to be. We're supposed to fit this feminine or masculine model, and that's what I was saying before about all these traditional gender roles that I was so busy with all the time and had no time for my professional things. It would be too masculine for me to want supposed to want to just be home and take care of the house and things like that. Bingo. And we can take the binary concept of masculine-feminine, 
and we can play with other binary concepts like culture, religion, anything we're comparing and contrasting ourselves to creates the lower right-hand corner of the Yohari window, the don't know. Culturally, I've lived in other cultures where I'm taught to be purposefully blind. And one form of that blindness is blind faith. I'm taught not to question. I'm taught not to confront. I'm taught never, ever, under any circumstances, cause a conflict. Can you begin to imagine how blind I become to who I am when I'm taught those things? They try to teach me that crap. It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! It worked since I was it's five years old. None of that too. crap. Yep. I understand it. It's good. I love it, Soul. Thank you. Please discuss this notion that your pay me what I'm worth journey is about you. What happens to me or anybody else on Team Seekers should not impact your own journey. Yeah? Oh, but it does. So we're all a team. And even though we're on an individual path, what Agnes is going through affects me because I care about her. Could you explain it a different way to me? Because I don't get it. I think all of us, what we're all going through affects each one of us in some way or another. We're on our own path, but still. Anyways, go ahead. Let me reframe this. How many times in your lifetime have you watched a news article or read a news article where some major guru, some major rah-rah, some major person who had tens of thousands or millions of followers, everybody thought, you know, the latest person who walked on water, oh my God, they could know no wrong, and they were blind faith following every word she or he said. And then we come to find out that they were one of the most manipulative, sex-abusing, drug-abusing people under the sun. That's every all day on the news. <laughs> I mean, that happens practically every month now, doesn't it? <laughs> every day. My point being, as we do our journeys together, yes, as a team, we overlap each other. We're like a bunch of bubbles overlapping with our skills and our concerns and our desires for each of us to grow more effortlessly and healthy. I agree with what Rick is saying. At the same time, I want to bring to the table what I pointed out to Carl. You're in this journey for you, not me, not Carl, not Agnes, whoever else is out there. I implore you to balance your own needs of learning about you and your skills and then polishing those skills with other team Seeker members. Thank you, Soul. I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Sure, we're on our own journey, but you can also get a lot of insight from the team that helps you discover more about yourself, too. Balance. Yes. One of the things that I adore about Marsha, I adore Marsha's awakening to balance. It thrills me to no end that Marsha is going, holy crap, look at what I can do now that I have a sense of balance. 
Now that she's stopped limiting herself. This first foray into our internal world. As you've noticed, Chapter 1, we dealt with our what world. What did we focus on in Chapter 1? Physical world. Our stuff, our physical world, right? items. Yes. You can touch it, taste it, feel it, see it. It's concrete, right? The sensory perceptions. Exactly. Now we're deepening our awareness as to who we are. What is that old saying, ladies and gentlemen? We judge people by their what's more than their what's. Their actions 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 more than their words. Where am I taking you? To the actions. So as we polish our skills, as more people see those skills in action, yeah, that builds integrity. That builds ethics. And if memory serves, I think there's a chapter about that. (laughs) (laughs) One of the ways that you can view our work together, chapter one sets you up for chapter 10. Chapter 2 sets you up for Chapter 9. 3 sets you up for 8. 4 sets you up for 7. 5 and 6 is the middle of the bridge, where you're crossing over between learning how to receive to learning how to give. We started our journey looking at our material world. We now have dived into the deeper end of the pool, our skills world, and we're beginning to mesh a new, fresh sense of who we are and what we can do. Yeah? Yes. Would you share with people your own experience? Now that you've gone through this exercise twice, would you share a bit about (laughs) your story? I never did look at my skills before. I never did have a clear picture of my skills. The first time I did the exercise, I was starting to see. It opened up my eyes. It really made me feel like, oh, wow, I do have some worth. Now, the second time I went through this exercise, I could see more. I had left out skills that I never even thought of. I developed a feeling of worth that was Something where I could say to myself, I am not going to discount myself anymore. I am done with that because I had gone for so long with my cup empty and I knew that I had something to offer people and I was done with discounting myself from that point on. Done. I'm going to get that balance. I'm going to have my cup full because I know what my worth is. I'm feeling it. It's making a big difference for me. You and I have similar experiences, and I understand where you're coming from because we've spoken before, you and I. Yes, I hear you. So, yeah, we'll left to the other thing, so it's all in your hands. Yep. You have the power. The power of <laughs> Captain Planet says. Honestly? I think one thing I really realized is that I, and I don't know how I do it, but I do connect with people. I'm not afraid to go there and chat with somebody. How about if we talk? I'd like to get to know you. Marsha, did you say yourself talk a thousand times? Say yourself talk. 
hard to count so many times self-talk. I don't know how anyone ever was able to do that. A thousand times. Maybe if you put it in, like, cool song lyrics, like, say your self-talk, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. You know, there's a lot of talk about self-talk. We've done that for years. A lot of us have learned self-talk. But I think there's more to it than just self-talk. You really want to be able to feel it, right? I mean, we can say self-talk till we're blue in the face, but until we start taking action, that self-talk, it's not really getting into our very being. So action, take the action. Don't think about it. Just take some actions every day. It's easy to just go and send a friendly chat. How many people do you have on Facebook that you know? that you've been connected to for years and probably never spoke to, ever. And when you think about that, it's really easy to send a message, a quick message, ask them how they're doing, how their day is going, and tell them, hey, we both have something in common. We're both network marketers, and we've never spoken to each other. And then that key right there, once they reply back, you have a chance to create a relationship with them. Don't know where it's going to go, but don't worry about that. Just start using that energy. If they don't want to do what you want to do, just say, don't be a wussy. (laughs) 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 The point, I think, is that there's probably plenty of missed opportunities out there when we don't do that for ourselves. I mean, I have some people in mind for the class I mean, Chris is going to teach, but... Me and Rick were talking, I'm going to start hitting up IBO again and just will be like, hey, what's up? What do you do here? And they'll be like, I do blah, blah, blah. I'll be like, are you getting paid what you're worth? I'm just curious. And then, That's cool. And honestly, what did I do with you folks? What was the first thing that I did? Did I not send messages to you on Facebook and say, hey, I said something, right? I know there was, in the final message, it was, let's talk over the phone. You're a local girl from Hawaii, aren't you? (laughs) But actions speak louder than words, as the saying goes, too. Yes. Yeah. Honestly, I'm pretty sure I sent messages to you all, right? Start off, right? All y'all. There's a southern, a bit of southern in there. I was in South Carolina for a while. Oh, y'all. We spoke over the phone. (laughs) But dribbling or whatever soul calls it. (laughs) (laughs) Dripping. Yeah, dripping, dripping. (laughs) You sharing the class. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot of activities we can do to stir the pot, right? Really make it interesting for everybody to say, what the heck is going on? What's she doing? I thought she was doing this. And honestly, I had that perfect opportunity because I had to tell you of the changes I was making. Right? Isn't that how I started? I wanted everybody to know, as many people as I could tell, that, hey, I made some changes, major changes. (laughs) But that energy... The excitement of making those changes also really helps me get going. 
and just want to send some chats out to people and talk to people over the phone, and I did it. I didn't sit there and say, oh, how am I going to do it? I just did it because when you're talking to somebody, aren't you just wanting to create that relationship with them? Really, isn't that key for us to let them know who we are? Yeah, some of us have a hard time with that. It's really easy to have acquaintances, but it's really difficult to develop good relational friends. I know. You're right. Acquaintances. It seems like I have a lot more acquaintances than close friends. Yeah. And I agree with that. But you're never going to get to know that person or even start that relationship unless we can connect with them. And I think talking to them is key. Then, initially, you have a perception. As soon as you talk to that person on the phone, you know how friendly that person is. You know how you feel, how they make you feel. Hey, you never know until you do it. You just don't know. Right. They seem a lot different when you're just emailing them, but then when you actually get to talk to them over the phone, they don't seem as nice, and it just really surprises me a lot of times. Yeah, but that's part of weeding it out too, right? Weeding out people. Start realizing how much worth you really have. It's not about anything but yourself right now. What you know about yourself. Uh, That's not much. That's not a whole lot that I know about myself. I never took the time to figure that out. Time to do that, Carl. And I'm sure throughout our whole lifetime, we are going to be on that journey of learning about ourselves because the minute we start thinking that we know everything about ourselves, somebody or something will throw a loop on us and we will realize, wow, there's something more to explore. So it's a lifetime journey. That's what it becomes because I am going through that the journey where, hey, I'm starting to open up my world more. I'm having more perception about I used to believe this, now I wonder. Maybe I better take a second look at something. Why do I believe this? And it's opening up a lot more to me now. Yeah, over and over again, Marsha. I need to do the same thing. (laughs) Time to close this class. What did you get out of this show? We truly want to know. Simply post in the comment box at the bottom of this page. After hearing so many people experience so many ahas, I wonder, are you ready to take this class yourself? We start new classes each time we have 12 or more people ready to go. You're listening to Marcia Sortino, Team Seekers, Team Captain. Get in touch to learn how to become one of Pay Me What I'm Worth's paid instructors today. And remember, before you go, Think about who else would enjoy our classes. Post this show on your social networking sites to help more people enjoy some weekly wit and wisdom. Aloha. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. 
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.